I do interviews like this that are titled self-made. So we call it self-made tastes better. And to me, the whole reason behind this is we all know success because we see the end. We always see the end when, when they're out there, everyone knows their name, but we don't see the shit that they went through to get there. And even in, in my life, I went through, it was hard, it was tough. And I never think about those moments. So what I wanna do and what I'm trying to achieve through Self Made is hear people who to me are iconic and you are truly iconic. Um, what you went through as a person and an artist. So if you take me back, what did Joe want to do when he was a little kid? What did you want to be? Man, I know I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always wanted to be a businessman. Um, it wasn't until like I was a, a, a young kid, a teenager, and I would follow my, my brother. My brother, uh, I'm sure he's not, but I think he's probably the first Latino rapper ever. So I grew up in the Bronx. And not only did I grow up in the Bronx, the birthplace of hip hop, um, so imagine the whole center, the, 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 the motherland of hip hop, where it was created, was in my neighborhood. Mm. With me as a little kid, I would see Melly Mel, Grandmaster Flash, I would see Mr. Ness, I would see Little Rodney C, I would see, I would see it was equivalent to me being around bumping into Drake, bumping into Jay-Z, bumping into the, these was the kings of hip hop. And I would watch them play basketball when I was a little kid, play softball when I was a little kid, play handball. I'm in the Mecca, right? And my brother used to rap, my big brother, and I looked up to him. And it wasn't until he rapped that I wanted to rap. And then I didn't take it serious till, you know, I was in the streets, hustling, doing what, do, doing my thing in the streets. You know, when you're growing up in the Bronx, unfortunately, it may sound like excuse to others, but there's not too many outlets, you know, and I chose the wrong path. I, I chose the fast way to get money. Was very good at it, too. And um, I quit the game to rap, you know, and it, it, was, it was like my dream to become a, a, a rapper. I went to the Apollo Theater. So I went to, imagine this, I went to, I'm one of the most respected guys in the Bronx as a street real dude. And I'm going to amateur night at the Apollo where they throw apples and tomatoes at you. But, but, but you were, take a step back, you were already known in the Bronx. Oh yeah, big time. Way before music. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, I would think most people don't want to be known to be to go on stage or to perform because no one cares. Uh -huh. Did you feel the pressure of what that, what that meant? No, um, I've been, you know, the reason you're here, the reason anybody's successful at their craft is because they have a level of determination and a level of confidence. So when I walked into Amateur Night at the Apollo, it was a hundred groups. And I immediately looked at everybody and said, I don't know what they're doing here, I'm gonna win. Hmm. And that's the same confidence that anybody in any field. Where, where has. does for you, if you think back, where does? To, well, I give you an example. My confidence comes from fear. Fear of failing. 
fear of it's all going to go away. I have to make this work. Where does it, where do you think it comes from for you? You know, in this little conversation with you, me and you, we're very similar. Uh, I often have dreams of an animated project building where I grew up with arms and legs chasing me, mm. trying to bring me back to the projects. Um, it's also a sense of hurt, mm. a big pain in my heart and my soul. You know, I've been through so much. I've been through so many letdowns, so much hurt that uh, it's, it's made me the kind of person I am now. Like, you know, I like to think that I'm sincere and honest, you know, and I like doing stuff like this because I feel like the world, the, the world needs to hear it. Did you, have, did you have somebody in your corner saying, as a, as a mentor, as somebody? I didn't have nobody as a mentor uh, um, I grew up in my projects. I was, I was one of the original members of a crew called Digging in the Crates, mm -hmm. Digging in the Crates crew. That's Lloyd Finesse. It's Big Al, it's Showbiz and AG, it's Diamond D, it's OC, it's Buck Wow. And my projects, we were, we were, Finesse was from there, Diamond was from there, Showbiz was from there. And, um, Finesse, he said it. And, and I asked him, could I say it? Because I never said it my whole life. But he said he went from running a paper route to paper chasing or something, right? So he used to sell newspapers every Sunday to everybody around the block. And he would tell me, I'm going to rap, I'm going to rap. And uh, one day I'm listening to Red Alert on the radio and they playing Finesse's records. Mm. And now he became the hottest rapper in New York. And that influenced me. That gave me the push to say, yo, I'm a hustler. I'm a real dude. I could rap about all the real stuff that's going on out here. I could make it. And, and, and I, he's about the closest thing I would say to a mentor. But it was more of like inspiration. Do you think that all the crew around you were kind of the support? Of course, man. This ain't, you can't do it all on your own. But uh, a lot of people, even my own mother and father, used to doubt me. I used yeah. to be writing raps on the table, and they'd be like, ah, you're never going to make it. You never, why are you doing that? You know, that's not realistic. Um, my father was in the, in the liquor business. He did not want me to do this. Never, 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 never. I hated it. Was he successful in the liquor business? He was. He was. And now, let me tell you a great misconception. A great misconception is people feel like when you get grandfathered situations, mm. they feel like you almost made it. You didn't even make it mm. like it was given to mm. you. But do they know how many kids mm. were given a business and fucked it up in less than a year? Mm. I've watched legendary people who've had legendary businesses that ran for 20, 30 years nonstop, money guzzlers pass away, give it to their son, and their son fuck it up in one year. So um, if you ever thought people thought, yo, you just got it, I know mm. from my own evaluation and my own studies that you had to do that. But, but think, again, thinking back, again, not having, my, my mom is a, is a rock, man. She is behind me. She doesn't care what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, not having support, is that a driver for you? You know, it's a, it's a terror squad DNA. And um, it's a fire that's inside of me. And I instilled it in everybody around me. So DJ Khaled is, is my little brother. He started with me. 
right? So I put him in the game, and I taught him. So he's Fat Joe on steroids. Yeah. So, but I taught him that fire. Yeah. Like while I was mentoring him, I was putting the fire in his chest, letting him know that anybody who goes against you, anybody that's trying to bring you down, any enemy, you use that as fuel to mm. succeed because the best form of revenge is success. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just it. Like, it, it, And I'm sorry. I feel sorry for people who don't like Fat Joe because this has been over a 20-year run. Mm -hmm. They've been having to see movie after movie after movie after movie. That's actually how I fill my gas tank. But can you, we're jumping ahead, but can you mm -hmm. see that you're actually, what you just said now is mentoring others? Oh, no, that's all I do, because I really didn't have nobody mentor me, and I made so many mistakes coming up in the music business. Which is, give me an example. <sighs> Too many mistakes. Um, I'll give you one. Uh, uh, I had an album coming out, and my marketing budget was a million five hundred thousand. So somebody would shoot a video for two fifty, put up another two fifty to market and promote, you know, and then you would do three singles. I went and put the whole million five of the marketing money on what I'm all in. They were like, well, you know, if this doesn't succeed, you know, there is no more money in the budget. It's a number one. And the record tanked. Hmm. That I, and I had good music on the album that maybe I could come back with, but the budget was gone. You know, uh, I wish somebody I really respected would have really explained to me the importance of budgeting that money right. Hmm. Uh, just so much, uh, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, you know what I mean? And before, I would sign an artist and it would be a family environment. Hmm. You're my brother, you're my sister, you're my th you can sleep in my house, you're my this. And I got uh, fucked over so many times to where, you know, because of the, I bought into the brother-sister Doesn't mean they got the same morals as me. Mm -hmm. So they run with it, they do whatever, they fuck up my money, they this, they don't. Um, and I take the loss and I look like a failure, you know, because I believe in them and then once something goes wrong, they're quick to say, you fucked me, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're a failure, you're a piece of shit. And all you was trying to do was mentor and help somebody else and mm -hmm. give somebody else an opportunity. And um, so now it's business. So when I sign a new artist, I might like him, I won't even tell him I like him. Mm -hmm. Like, here goes your money, I signed you, I'm gonna spend money on market promotion, I'm gonna help you make a hit record, but we're not brothers and sisters. Like. I make a pure note of this one that yo, this is business, because the brother and sister route didn't work for me. Do Do you share today the fact that I didn't have anybody showing me the way? I didn't have the guidance. I didn't have the support. I, meaning that like they're the lucky ones. You're getting my knowledge. Do you appreciate what's happening Man, they here? Better, they better be lucky because there's not too many guys, to be honest with you, that knows more than me in this music yeah. business. Do I'm you, not gonna lie to you. Would you, I saw, which I love the podcast, love the podcast. Hold your thought. Yeah. In this business, say this was a pizza shop. I have been the dishwasher. Mm. I have been the guy who puts the dough together 
the guy who puts the flower on the table, the waiter, the, uh, the greeter at the door, the manager. The, I have did every milk and cranny in this business. I have literally have to perform in villages in Africa, not even towns, mm. villages to feed my family. You know, I've did it all, bro, from the biggest to the, to anything you could do. Do you, do you think about those moments? All the time. Yeah. You know, all the time. And I appreciate, after it's done, and after you go through a rough patch or whatever, you appreciate it. And I believe God, I believe in God. Yeah. Like, I'm a very big believer in God. And I believe that God puts us in situations that uh, prepares us for other, you think it's the worst. Yeah. You could be like, why? Yeah. It's the worst time in your life. But actually, there's a worser one coming. But this is preparing you for it. So you could be like, oh, I dealt with this. You know? I had a best friend. Let me just tell you. I had a best friend. My best friend ever in life, his name was uh, Anthony Crespo. We called him Tony Montana. So he died in the streets. Um, it's my best friend on earth. And uh, I had to deal with that. So it was like Joe and Tone. And, but he was crazier than me. Mm. So he had a lot more respect than me. I actually was the more political guy. Mm. So when he passed away, people thought Joe couldn't hold it down. Joe couldn't. Joe was the soft one. Mm. So I had to stand up mm -hmm. and rise to the occasion in the streets and show people, yo, I'm crazy too. Now, fast forward with that, uh, my best friend that I ever rapped with or ever worked with was Big Pun. Mm -hmm. And when Big Pun passed away, everybody who loved me around me, because Big Pun was 10 million times better than me in rapping, everybody was worried for me and they said, it's over for Joe. He's mm -hmm. the, this and that. But they didn't know that that time Tone died prepared me for this moment. So I was the most confident I ever was. And after he passed away, I put out an album that sold 1.9 million. It was my biggest album. But I was not worried. So if you was like, Joe, are you going to do it? Because was, I was totally, yo, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna knock it out the park. Because I've been through that. Yeah, it's different. This was the street. This is rap music. But it, God already presented this to me, this, 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 this issue. Mm -hmm. And I dealt with it like that, you know? But I, and I think I think and I can I can appreciate that because I think it's you knowing your value, mm. and th isn't that what's most critical in terms of being able to achieve? You know you can do this. It doesn't matter what anybody else yeah, says. Nobody else is because you know uh, I've always trained myself to uh, even if I have success with somebody. Um, sometimes things go wrong with partners, with different kind of people. And so you have to always be ready to adapt. So that, for instance, uh, my, my most success comes from Scott Storch, producer Scott mm. Storch. So any, we went in the studio four times and all four times they were number one in America, all three formats. Then when he got into his drug problem, <laughs> I went to the studio for like, 90 days in a row trying to keep him clean myself mm. like I was trying to clean him because I knew yo this is the end of hit mania for fat Joe like mm. like you know and and when he was really going through a tough time where his music wasn't as good 
I had to look to other places to make hits. Mm. So I knew I had to adapt and move on. Uh, uh, with a lot of artists, the buck stops there. Yeah. Some people, artists have such a good connection that once that breaks apart, it's never, you can never rise to the occasion. T t taking your example of being with Scott, yeah, I saw, again, I love your podcast, and I saw the, uh, the recent one with 6ix9ine. Cocovision. Yeah. And uh, uh, you were trying. I don't know if you got it. I was trying. You were, you, you were, to me, the whole segment was about you trying to get in his head. Do you think you would have listened to you back when you're 20, I 22? Why? Because, uh, for one, I have respect. I've always had respect. I've always had respect for the, to this day, I have respect for the pioneers, the people who paved the way. That's the difference with this generation. And probably nobody else could get 6ix9ine to do a podcast but Fat Joe. At least he had that much respect, right? Um, but I have respect. If somebody I really respected would have told me, if Russell Simmons would have came and told me, yo, Joe, I don't think you should this and this and that, I would have listened to Russell Simmons. Uh, so the kid, I'm just seeing that this ain't going nowhere good. Yeah. So I try to tell him all the ways I f***ed up money, millions of dollars, relationships, you know, everything. Just giving him every f***ing pitfall you could give him so he could... And I thought the kid was real... From that interview, I really think the kid is really, really smart. And then a week later, I see him on TMZ fighting at the airport. I'm like, yo, what the f*** is going on? Yeah. Like. Because what I took out of that interview was that this kid is very smart. That's what I, you know, when you just look at him crazy hair, the shit he's doing, you think, oh, this is just another wild for the yeah. night kid. He's a statistic. But when, in, when I interviewed him, I felt like, wow, this guy really smart. Yeah. Like, this guy's really, but, um, you know, the problem is it's a, it's a, it's a tricky line, the, the game he's playing. He's figured something out. Because you can say what you want to say about him, he's on fire. Yeah. So he figured out that little 50 cent, when 50 cent, you know, he had a, a riot in the airport the day before his album came out. Yeah. 50 cent would get shot the day before he got, his album came out. The album would be on set. He got the same shit. He got, he figured something out that works for 50 cent. Floyd Mayweather, it works for Floyd Mayweather. The only problem is he's playing with a gang life yeah. that it's a real life and it's real violence involved. Do, do, you, do you think, if you think about why you're having that conversation with him, is it because you see yourself as I've made it, I, I need to, I want to give back, I want to show people? Man, I said every time, man, this, this program is called Self Made because when you self-made, nobody really gives you nothing and you come from nothing. And, you know, I used to say it all the time, even when I was wild and I was a young kid, I used to say, yo, why nobody come talk to me? Nobody yeah. mentor me. Nobody try to give me no knowledge. Nobody try to show me the way. So I always made a conscious decision. Six Nine, you just seen Six Nine because he was on a podcast. Yeah. I do this every day on a yeah. daily basis. If I'm in the studio and the other top young rapper is there, I sit down with them yeah. for an hour and I let them know, yo, chill, this and this and that. Like I, like I lost, the most money I ever lost was flying private planes. Mm -hmm. The most, man, I mean, 
millions of dollars annually. When I first flew, it was all, <laughs> I took private planes, like it was a, a cab, a taxi cab. Like I'd be like, yo, we're going to Connecticut to eat a meal. We're going to Boston, like it just anything. Why? why I, I just, yeah, it was disgusting, man. Why do you think to yourself, did anybody sit with me and say, what the f are you doing? Holy sh about two, three years later, because I would play it every flight. So it would look like 70,000 or whatever. And I would be like, all right, I made 200 grand, you know. So I would, I would look at it like justified like that. But uh, one month, the guy had me like, yo, Joe, you ain't got to pay. You know, they just pay me at the end of the month. When that boy gave me that bill and that bill was like 600 something thousand, that's when I finally learned but, first class content. But no, but no one told you. That's the thing that's. Nobody. Nobody told me shit. And in fact, the whole music business, the whole industry knew like, oh, you see Joe? He got to come in the G4. Like, yeah. you know, like they did. <laughs> They knew he's in that shit. And uh, biggest mistake of my life. But I, what I think is interesting, because I, I take it for myself, is I'm still learning. I can share, but I'm, I'm never going to be there where there's not something I'm learning. But it's to me, you sound the same in the sense of clearly you're there. But you, st you can still figure things out and you can still share that. You know, I learn every day, every single day. And I learn from somebody like you who's successful and I'll learn some shit from the homeless man outside the bodega. Every day I'm listening and I'm trying to learn something new. Do you think uh, when I have, I have three older brothers, so I'm the youngest and I I'm feel- I'm the youngest too. So I feel I'm the lucky one because I got to see all that they did and learn from them. Do you have a sense of responsibility for your family, for what everything that you're doing in a sense is, uh, I'm doing it because I need to help everyone else as well? I'm no different than an immigrant. That's why I'm for the dreamers. Um, I worked, I bust my Mother's Day, I'm not with my mother, I'm not with my wife, I'm performing for somebody else's wife or mother. Uh, I take care of my whole family, my mother, my father, nephews, son, like you name it. I take care of everybody in my family and it's not so much as I'm enabling them, it's so much as they need help. Yeah. You know, my mother and father would still be in the projects. Yeah. There's just no way around it. So um, I'm constantly, you know, working for my family. Like, I don't even enjoy what I do. What I enjoy is I love to make music. Mm. I love people to tell me, yo, you got the hottest record in the world right mm. now. That's me smoking crack cocaine. Mm. I feel like I smoke crack, sniff some heroin. Yo, you hot, Joe. I come outside, the car comes by with mm. the song. That's what turns me on. But my family, they live on the water, they live an expensive lifestyle, they drive Bentleys, they go to private schools. It's, it's really for them. Mm -hmm. It's really not for me. Do you, what was, do you remember, give me some pinnacle moments of you feeling like I've made it. Oh man. Do you remember when it someone- It was false made it. 
What is it, which means? Meaning that, you know, I grew up so poor um, that I was brainwashed, and every kid in America is brainwashed from Woody Woodpecker on that if you make a, Woody would have got a million dollars, his eyes would have, yeah. you know, you think a million dollars, that's it. You could buy a fucking cloud if you want. Yeah. Not SoundCloud, yeah, yeah, a yeah. cloud. So you tell everybody, you're a millionaire, that's it. You could buy this whole fucking block, like, yeah. and a mountain. Yeah. So, I got a million, I had a million something dollars. I'm eating dinner every night, it's $30,000 a dinner, 40 motherfuckers with me, champagne, lobsters, steaks, every fucking night for like 15 years straight, every night. And you think, you know, I'm a million, you know, you don't even check the account. I'm a millionaire until you go in there one day and they tell you you have no money and you walk out of there with your asshole this tight. Mm. When the teller who usually gives you 50 cash every time you walk in there be like, Joe, something must, something must be wrong. Yeah. It happened on 161st, across the street from the Coochie Frito by Yankee Stadium. My asshole was this tight, bro. I felt like a zombie. I didn't know what to think. I walked out of there, I was like, I thought we was rich. Yeah. And um and back at it. We got to go back at it. We got to get it again. We got to get it again. And I did, truthfully it happened to me about it happened to me about 3 times in my life where I went to the bank account and it said zero. But I mean for millions. Right after that I went back. I think I made what's love. I made another 5 million. I looked at it in the bank. We kept popping champagne, doing all the crazy shit. Private planes, this is that. One day I walked into another bank in Throsnick, told this tight, yo, you ain't got no money. Holy shit, gotta go make lean back. Gotta go, like, it's fucking nuts. You're starting over two, three, four times. Yeah. Would you change anything? Or is it? Fuck yeah, I would yeah. change everything. I mean, do you realize? I met Puff Daddy, he had an invisible chain. Mm. Meaning he had a gold chain that was so fucking thin, bro, that it was fucking see-through. Mm. Jay-Z, and please don't kill me guys, man. I remember one time I had a chain like this with a medallion on, and I watched Jay-Z when we first all came in the game looking at the chain like, Like, what the f is that? Like, you know, like, what, like, you know? And now you look at these motherfuckers and they billionaires. This guy got 400 million and 600 million. Say, what the f I've been doing, man? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, no. yeah, I would change it. Yeah. And the thing is, they had a business plan, they had a structure, and, they, and even though they looked like they was party, like, Puff Daddy is the king. Yeah of deception. Yeah. Every time we was in the party, oh, he was throwing his fucking champagne, his, his vodka in every picture. He was, he was, he just, so we didn't know. We like, yo, he's a great guy. This is a great party. This is a great, yo, give me your clothes. I'm a rocket in the video. Yo, 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 yo.
Sean John sold 400 million. Yep. The champagne, this, 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 the, the, this, this. Boy, the joke's on us. Yeah. He been doing this for real. Yeah. And we can't be mad at him. We always got to use them as inspiration. I'm not talking out of jealousy. I always talk out of inspiration. When somebody does something. So right now, uh, I have a sneaker store. Mm-hmm. Right? And the Godfather, or the Don, like you in, in, in the liquor business, is a little Jewish guy named Ronnie from Kif. So I'm in this like I'm locked in, like, you know, I'm going to all the seminars, I'm meeting with the Nike, I'm meeting with the Adidas, I'm meeting, like, I fucking love this shit, right? And so, obviously, he's the fucking Don Corleone of this shit. You can't be mad at the man. You got to be happy yeah. that he's been able to accomplish so much because it's possible. Yeah. So when you see people be successful like this, you can't be jealous of them. You got to say, oh, I could get that. Where, where do you think, because you're brutally honest. Gotta be. But not everyone is like that. Mm-hmm. Everyone, most want to hear the, just the good, meaning I've done everything right, I've been everything successful. Where does that They're honesty come from? They're considered fake people. Yeah. We don't like them. I won't hang out with you if you're a billionaire and you're a fake person. Stay away. I'm not mad at you. I'll say hi. Keep it moving. So and what happened at Apollo? Came first place four weeks in a row. What happened right after that? So I met Red Alert, who was like the number one DJ in, in, in the country at the time. And he asked me to give him a demo that he would play it on the radio. That demo became my first single. And uh, Chris Lighty came and signed me. Hmm. And we put it out to Relativity and it went number one in the country rap single and uh the rest is history from there do you remember hearing the song for the first time on the the radio i had the flu um i gave him the demo and he ain't play it for two months why i don't know um but i would listen i would listen every anyway hip-hop we didn't have hip-hop stations Mm. they would only play it on friday night for two hours it was dj red alert mr magic so I would listen anyway, but I'm listening. Nope, not this Friday, not this Friday, not this Friday. So two months later, I'm thinking this guy's never going to play it. I got the flu. That man came on. I, just like I can I might have touched the ceiling how high I jumped mm. when I heard it for the first time. And uh, I ran to the window. It was in my projects. Everybody was outside. I opened the window. And I took a speaker, we had the big speaker, and I put it on the window. They playing my shit. And everybody dancing in front of the building. Oh, shit. Yo, they playing my shit on the radio. They playing it. And to this day, I never take for granted when they play one of my records on the radio. Never. Like, if I went in the car now and they play one of my records, I turn it up. Yo, you see what they playing? Yo, they playing it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the first, from a music perspective, when someone said, that's Fat Joe, that's, I want to, I got to get his autograph, it's, I want to meet it's him. It's crazy because it almost happened like overnight because uh, the song just blew up. And uh, shout out to Rob McDaniel's Video Music Box helped me a lot. 
and Red Alert, you know, saved my life, Diamond D. But um, it was big, man. Like, these people knew me from the streets. And then imagine you see, I don't want to put it like that. I'm not trying to glorify it, but the drug dealer. Yeah. You've seen in the club, forever in Mercedes Benzes with juries on, popping champagne, this, this, that. How could this guy be a fucking rapper now? And this shit is number one. Yeah. So the authenticity was out of control. Yeah. So like, I remember my first show I had the fever, the lines was going down three blocks this way, three blocks this way to the White Castle, my nigga. The lines was like, it was out of control. It was sold out. Like, it was like, it was like overnight. And then Latinos, we never really had nobody. We had Cypress Hills on the West, but we never really had nobody on the East going number one or, you know, having that much of an impact, you know? So it was like special for them. Music for you today, are you, uh, do you have that sense of the spot for the Latino market where that's a core for you? Man, the Latino market is, is be, beyond on the rise, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's gonna be like that with everything. With, with TV, with movies, with, with everything. You know what I'm saying? It's just uh, the numbers. The numbers are there, man. And they're making great music, you know. Uh, we got a lot of new young artists who's doing the reggaeton trap. The trap reggaeton, that shit is on fire. You know, they killing the game. It's the future. It's unstoppable. It's like us pouring champagne, Bel Air right now, to, and not believing that it ain't gonna overflow the, the cup. You know, I, I, uh, um, I saw the interview, uh, as I was saying about 6ix9ine, and a week ago, prior to seeing the interview, um, there was an artist we were gonna work with who uh, got arrested, he's in jail, and all I could think to myself is, how could he do this? He's on the verge of something special. And to me, I kept thinking, do they not have a goal? Meaning, what's the goal? What's the end game? Well, you know, when you're a young kid, the, the end game is Jay-Z, Puff Daddy. Correct. 50 Cent. They had an end game. Yep. Jay-Z came in with an end game. His crew came in with an end game. Same thing with Puff Daddy, same thing with 50 Cent. They had it planned out. But for most part, you want to be a rapper everybody knows. You want to make money. You want to get some chicks. You want to be hot. You don't even really know when you're going. It's almost like you're on a treadmill. Sure. And um, for these kids, they're so... Uh, all right, give you an example. And I'm, I'm, bring me back if I get off track. KRS-One is my idol, right? Um, KRS-One always rapped about black consciousness, positivity, people together, right? When KRS was the king of the Bronx, when Fat Joe started to become like the new king of the Bronx, right? Um, I would walk the streets with KRS and people would come up to him like, teacher, blast master, mm. they would hug mm. him. The same guys I would be fighting every fucking day on the block. So mm. I'm like, yo, I'm the hottest rapper out right now. Why they hug KRS and I got to fight the same guy around the corner? Mm. So I asked him, yo, why they, why they hug you, man, mm. and I got to keep 
He was like, hey, because I preach unity and positivity. Mm. They don't look at me as a threat. But you, my friend, are Fat Joe the gangster. Mm. Now, so with these kids kicking all this, there's always somebody who wants to prove they're tougher. Mm. So they keep testing them and testing them and testing them. And one thing I realize is that a lot of these young kids, a lot of them, don't have mentors, mm -hmm. don't have an older uncle, don't have an OG, a big brother that they look up to. They just kids. They, yep. They just kids. Mm -hmm. When I hang out with uh, A Boogie and them, they kids. Mm -hmm. The whole crew, kids. Everybody's 21, 22, mm -hmm. everybody's a kid. So who's the older mentor to tell them, yo, don't do this and mm -hmm. don't do that? You know? And, and that's what they lacking, man. So, Joe, I'm a huge fan. Um, uh, this is a privilege for me to, to spend the time with you. Um, I'm drawn in based on your brutal honesty. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I think what you're doing and what you're preaching, uh, you got a lot to share. And you get what it means mm -hmm. to be self-made. So cheers to you. Thank you. I've been dying to drink this right here.